Hello, and welcome to the 175th edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement, going out nine months or so after the first installment. Thanks to all for your support and readership as I continue covering this area as thoroughly as I can on a shoestring budget. I'm Sean Tubbs, and today's edition seeks to once again catch you up on some of what's happened and some of what's coming up. On today's program, Albemarle County's Planning Commission gets an update on planning for the Comprehensive Plan. The Albemarle Board of Supervisors takes up the land use chapter of the Crozet Master Plan update. And a few brief headlines about UVA tuition, the Johnson & Johnson pause, and a new Wawa coming to Albemarle County. In today's Patreon-fueled shout-out, your local energy nonprofit, LEAP, offers free home weatherization to income and age-qualifying residents. If you're aged 60 or older, or have an annual household income of less than $75,100, you may qualify for a free energy assessment and home energy improvements, such as insulation and air sealing. Sign up today to lower your energy bills, increase comfort, and reduce energy waste at home. Few headlines before we get into the bigger pieces today. The state of Virginia will follow a directive from the Centers for Disease Control to pause the administration of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. That includes the Blue Ridge Health District, which sent out this message last night. Currently, there are six known cases of this possible side effect out of 6.8 million doses administered. Individuals in the Blue Ridge Health District who were scheduled to receive the Johnson & Johnson vaccine at a partnering provider or pharmacy may schedule their appointment for a Pfizer or Moderna vaccine provided by the Blue Ridge Health District. You can follow a link in the newsletter if that includes you to sign up for that rescheduled appointment. Today, the percentage of Virginians fully vaccinated has climbed to 22.2% and over 4.9 million doses have been administered. The number of cases continues to be steady, with a seven-day average of 1,579 new cases as of today. The Blue Ridge Health District reported another 61 cases today and has now had an even 15,000 COVID cases, with 213 deaths. Tuition for undergraduate study at the University of Virginia for the next academic year will remain the same as the current year, according to UVA Today and the Cavalier Daily. President Jim Ryan told the Board of Visitors that UVA has lost a lot of revenues and had a lot of unexpected costs this past year due to the pandemic and that that may total up to $140 million. Um, at the same time, if there were ever a year not to raise undergraduate tuition, it is also this year, um, given the pandemic and the financial hardship facing a lot of our students um, and their families. Following the vote from the Board of Visitors, graduate tuition will increase by up to 6.4% and fees will increase by $114, in part to help support the cost of the new Student Wellness Center. Room and board will increase by 2.3% and 2.7%, respectively. You can watch that whole meeting on the Board of Visitors' YouTube channel. Plans have been filed to bring a Wawa convenience store at the intersection of US-29 and Greenbrier Road in Albemarle County. The existing zoning allows for this use, but the project will need approval from the Architectural Review Board. That's scheduled for May 17, 2021. Wawa has two other stores in development in Albemarle County, 
One is in the northwest corner of US-29 and Airport Road, and the other is in the northeast corner of US-250 and Stony Point Road. Last night, the Albemarle Planning Commission got an update on the Comprehensive Plan. We'll hear more about the Crozet Master Plan update in just a second, but it is important to note here that all master plans in Albemarle are subsets of the Comprehensive Plan. Rachel Falkenstein is a planning manager in the county. And as you all know, we do this kind of on a rolling basis on the county because our master plans are actually part of our comprehensive plan. So every master plan update is a comp plan update. We also do topic updates periodically. Our most recent one was the biodiversity action plan update and housing Almarl is working its way through the process right now. We'll hear more about that comprehensive plan update later. But first, the Albemarle Board of Supervisors reviewed the draft land use chapter of an updated Crozet Master Plan at their meeting on April 7th. The Crozet Master Plan was first adopted in 2004 and last revised in 2010, and it is intended to guide development in one of Albemarle's designated growth areas. For background, read my account of a discussion of the plan at the March 10th meeting of the Crozet Community Advisory Committee. One of the new aspects of the plan is the creation of a new category in the comprehensive plan of middle-density residential, which would allow for more units closer to downtown, in duplexes, bungalow courts, and other places to live with smaller footprints. The community wanting smaller housing types and not large apartments, we thought there could be a new land use category that could accommodate those smaller housing types and have the appropriate densities applied. Falkenstein noted that the Crozet Community Advisory Committee, or CAC, took non-binding votes in November 2020 on staff's proposed changes. Um, But they voted against the majority of the proposed changes. That included the middle residential density category. The Planning Commission, however, supported the idea but asked for that density to be reduced. The current draft was released in early March. Tori Canalopoulos is another Albemarle planner. And the major revisions include a second draft of the middle density residential land use category, which has been revised from a maximum recommended density of 24 units an acre up to 18 units per acre if missing middle housing types are provided. Before the board took up the plan, Falkenstein summarized the growth potential included in this update. The draft plan does not add significant additional development potential on vacant properties or areas where we expect any significant redevelopment. And we hope this plan is a reflection of the overall feedback we've heard throughout the master plan engagement process, a desire we've heard from the community to keep Crozet's small town identity and not to encourage significant growth, but also to provide additional housing choices and affordability on areas where uh, remaining development potential exists. Crozet is an unincorporated community within the Whitehall Magisterial District, which is represented by Supervisor Ann Malik. She explained why many were opposed initially to the middle density category. One thing to point out that I guess has been with the Crozet Master Plan all along has been their uh, description of urban density was 6 to 12. So that's threw us down a tunnel at the beginning because then this new Middle density seemed to be so much bigger. Malik noted there was support from some CAC members for the revised definition and referred to a new development that fits the description. Everybody is completely charmed by the idea of the bamboo grove 
small houses, small developments. And that's really what people want to see for infill. Supervisor B. Lapisto Kirtley of the Rivanna District said she supported making it easier for developers to build more housing in the growth areas. The more we reduce or have restrictions, especially in height, perhaps in certain areas, how is that going to affect uh, the area for affordable housing? And it's not just for Crozet. It's in all the other five districts. Um, you know, what are we going to do? I mean, kind of like put up or shut up because uh, uh, you can't have everybody wants small, wonderful little cottages. Uh, we all want that. But that's not realistic if we have an affordable housing plan, if we need to get affordable rentals. Um, we have to go up at, at some point. Supervisor Donna Price of the Scottsville District said she thought the plan should do more to encourage affordability through increased density. I understand that people may not be um, in favor of large apartment complexes. I totally understand that. I'm not necessarily pushing for that. Can you define for me what a bungalow consists of? I mean, what makes a bungalow? I have a sense of what a tiny home is. I don't necessarily see either of those, however, as being housing for families. Falkenstein said bungalow courts could be two-story buildings with up to 1,200 square feet. The defining feature of these is that they are uh, situated around a common amenity space and don't necessarily either don't have individual lots or very small individual lots. And that helps with the affordability component. Falkenstein said tiny homes are defined in the state building code as being 400 square feet or less. Supervisor Diantha McKeel of the Jack Jewett District agreed that the plan as written did not seem to encourage production of meaningful amounts of affordable housing. Um, I just don't think this is encouraging affordability. And it's setting us up to have one development area very different than other development areas. McKeel was also concerned that the Crozet CAC took votes. County regulations do allow for these votes, but McHale said she didn't think that they had been. I have been operating under the understanding and telling my CAC that they are providing input, advisory in nature, and we're, we really are not supposed to be voting on issues. Supervisor Ned Galloway of the Rio District was also concerned about the appearance that the CAC's votes are binding. He was particularly concerned that the account of the March 10th CAC meeting states that one member said the middle density issue had already been decided. Just because you vote a certain way doesn't mean staff is required to follow or the PC or the supervisors are in any way, shape or form obligated to follow that other than to take the input. Galloway said the conversation about affordable housing in Crozet is also happening in all of the other development areas where existing residents ask for moratoriums on any more new homes. That third bullet point says comment that MDR concept was already voted on and decided. And the and decided is what, what is that? Is it just, I mean, I get that they're going to take votes, but it's all advisory. That's prompting some philosophical questions. What do we do with growth? What do we do with density? And what do we do with the infrastructure that's currently in place, whether it supports it or doesn't support it? We've seen it play out 
250 East with the recent application. It was, it was the conversation around Parkway Place. It's going to be the conversation about projects that come forward to us up 29 North. Malik said the specific concern about additional density through the middle density residential category relates to a sense that much of the community is already built out. The reason there was concern about having higher density and having every one of those houses have accessory units, for example, was where is the traffic going to go and how is it going to be? How are these streets going to be able to handle doubling the, doubling the, um, the population? Malik acknowledged that there was one CAC member at the March 10th meeting who insisted that the CAC votes should be binding. It didn't get far. There was one member who was very upset, and he tried to make a motion, and it didn't even get a second. The next step on the Crozet Master Plan is the meeting of the Crozet Community Advisory Committee this evening. I'll have more from that meeting in a future installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. As I just said, you're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. What do you know about rock music? Would you like to put it to the test? Join WTJU virtually this Friday for their first ever trivia night at 8 p.m. Join a team in the virtual pub and put your screens together to answer rounds of questions with themes that relate to rock, radio, and local lore. There will be merriment. There will be prizes. Trivia night is just three days before the beginning of the Rock Marathon a seven-day extravaganza to help fund the station. Visit WTJU.net to learn more. And now back to Albemarle's overall comprehensive plan. The comprehensive plan was last updated by the Board of Supervisors in the summer of 2015, And Virginia State Code states that planning commissions are to prepare and recommend a document to guide development and update it every five years. So far this year, Albemarle planning staff had taken a scope of work for a revision of the comprehensive plan to the Board of Supervisors twice. When they presented a plan for a three-year process, supervisors urged staff to speed up that process and to also work on the county's zoning code. Until now, the Albemarle Planning Commission had not been presented with an idea for what the plan's scope would be, but that changed on April 13, 2021. Planning Manager Rachel Falkenstein explained that Albemarle has made several changes in policy direction since 2015. These include the adoption of the first phase of a climate action plan and adoption of the economic development policy known as Project Enable. We've also developed a new office of the Office of Equity and Inclusion and a new community core value that focuses on the topics of equity, inclusion, and diversity. Falkenstein said there has been a lot of growth and demand for urban services. There are portions of our urban ring that are getting more urban and our service needs are changing because of that. However, Falkenstein said any work on the plan would need to be prioritized due to limited resources. A major goal would be to update the zoning ordinance, which has not gone through a major review since 1980. Ideally, our zoning ordinance would match the comprehensive plan, and we think this update could give give us an opportunity to realign the, the zoning ordinance with our comprehensive plan. 
Staff had initially planned for a three-year and five-phase process to go through the plan, particularly with an equity lens. The board has asked for the process to be sped up. And then the comp plan phases would be sequenced so that related zoning work could happen parallel to the comp plan update. Staff went to the drawing board, and under the new process, the plan would be updated gradually, piece by piece, in four phases, organized by topic. The first phase would have the title Capacity and Growth. So the first one, we would look at our introduction chapter, our vision chapter, and our growth management plan. We would do our capacity analysis. Our current comp plan tells us we should look at our capacity for growth for a 20-year horizon to make sure our development areas as they are now can accommodate the projected growth. The Board of Supervisors will get the chance to respond at their meeting on May 5th. Commissioners had the chance to make their comments last night. Karen Firehawk said the county has to be prepared for continued growth. We're building a city around a city in the urban ring, and we lack a lot of the, the traditional city planning tools that we need. Commission Chair Julian Bivens said the update gives the county a chance to build off of the Project Enable plan to make Albemarle a place where businesses want to locate, especially businesses that might spin off from the University of Virginia. How do we look at big ways to be able to accommodate that and still stay, stay, stay true to who we are as um, both a rural and, and, and an intellectually and economically evolving uh, community? Several commissioners expressed the need for resources to cover the cost of additional staff to conduct the work. Jody Filardo, Albemarle's Director of Community Development, had good news on that score. In the budget that is going to the board for approval on May 5th, there is a set-aside of funding to support resourcing for both the comp plan work and the zoning or the zoning redos. So you all are on to something and fortunately the budget is uh, prepped up, ready to go to support that too. Stay tuned for May 5th. The Board of Supervisors next meets next week on April 21st. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I finally have an announcement to make. I can finally say it. Uh, If you are so inclined to upgrade your subscription to a Substack paid subscription, Ting will match your subscription dollar for dollar, allowing this program to remain relatively commercial free except for that commercial announcement. It will still allow me to do the shout outs that I've been doing, which has been something that is really about helping people to understand what's happening in the community. You can read why Ting has decided to do this in a note that is somewhere on the Substack newsletter. You can also contact me if you have any questions about this. This will allow me to begin to broaden my stability about being able to bring you this work as often as I can and hopefully expand it into even more coverage. Isn't that what you want? The most important thing is that people can get this for free without ever having to pay anything. This, people who are paying for this work are paying for it to be a public resource. And that's something that uh, really honors me. That's something I'm really humbled by. And I really look forward to continuing to be able to bring you items on Charlottesville community engagement. Thanks a lot. And please stay safe out there. We're not out of this pandemic yet.